0: you're listening to Soar Sessions with
1: Dr. Trish and Jeff Todd hello Dr. Trish hello Jeffrey
0: we're back with a Special edition of Source Sessions, a little new concept that we've been uh, working on.
1: The Medical Minutes. Yeah, and the
0: Medical Minute, the idea is that we take a medical topic and we try to condense it down into a really short, bite-sized podcast. Hit the, hit the big points, things that can offer um, useful information for patients or um, other folks that are interested. And today, we decided to tackle a, a topic that is... Um, completely understood. I mean, everybody's familiar with with this topic, but I don't know if everybody really understands this topic, but it's it really is kind of the heart of the matter in a lot of ways of things to do with any injury or pain or illness such as coronavirus. And today we're going to talk about inflammation.
1: We love it and we hate it. It's good, it's healthy, but it can hurt.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the, the... Inflammatory pathway inherently is the way the body starts the process of healing itself. And then uh, this cascade of events that can happen with inflammation can go out of control. And when it goes out of control, that can lead to pain, chronic pain and different things like
1: that. Swelling, temperature changes, wherever that inflammation may be occurring. So you can have a hot or warm joint, if it's in a knee or shoulder or other joint. But pain, restricted motion, gut problems, you can have inflammation anywhere.
0: Any tissue of the body can respond or have an inflammatory process. Is that a fair statement?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: So we most often think of inflammation probably, I would say, in terms of arthritis. I think that's probably what most people think of inflammation as.
1: Yeah, or an acute injury.
0: So... The question, I guess I would start with you is, are swelling and inflammation the same thing?
1: To a certain extent, yes. Swelling is a reaction to an inflammatory condition with buildup of fluid typically causing the swelling component.
0: But there is inflammation without swelling.
1: Yes, and there are instances where you can have swelling without inflammation.
0: In terms of pain, um, what is it about the inflammation? Inflammation cycle that actually gives pain.
1: It's the chemicals that are released, um, and that's why we tend to use anti-inflammatory medications to help with those the chemical release or change that cascade of chemicals that produce pain. So the anti-inflammatories, ibuprofen or leave, meloxicam, nabunitone, whole host of different anti-inflammatories with different chemical structures that work slightly differently. Some can be more effective for people than others.
0: And that goal of those medications is to stop those chemicals being released or to modulate them, turn them down, if you will.
1: They turn down the production of certain enzymes that cause the cause pain, inflammation, swelling.
0: There are some cardinal signs of inflammation. So when we think about inflammation in some sense, we think of redness, we think of heat or warmth, um... Swelling's part of that. And pain. So we can experience inflammation from a host of different events, um, injury, other insults, infection, illnesses, different things like that. I guess the question that I would ask you is, once we have the inflammatory process in place, besides things like NSAIDs, what else can we do to kind of alleviate it or shorten that period of time as much as possible?
1: So... Great question. NSAIDs are the nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory medications. Ibuprofen and Aleve or Naproxen are the um, two over-the-counter nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory medications, and a whole host, as I mentioned before, of other prescription anti-inflammatories. But the first thing you want to do is control the swelling, because most of the time your in- acute inflammatory response can be minimized with regard to pain if you can control the swelling. So ice elevation compression
0: the classic rice
1: yes rest is would be the R of the rice rest ice compression elevation but you don't want to do that long term so yeah you ice it or people are intolerant of ice um, then what can you do can you use heat and the answer is in an acute swelling situation for example if you twist your ankle you don't wanna really use heat initially because that'll cause the blood vessels to dilate and will cause more swelling. But after 48 to 72 hours, a heat on a body part is acceptable. The same thing applies to the spine, but at all times. So in, in the back or the neck, can you use ice or heat early on after an injury where you wouldn't wanna do that in a swollen joint like the ankle? And the answer is yeah. If you tolerate it, you're, you wanna control the pain. And since the spine doesn't typically swell, Putting ice or heat on in the beginning is fine.
0: What is it about acute inflammation or, you know, twist your ankle inflammation that, that might be different than chronic inflammation?
1: Cardinal signs of inflammation, including swelling, heat, um, and the restriction in motion due to pain and swelling aren't often seen in chronic inflammatory states. In a chronic inflammatory state, it's more of a descriptive term because the joint can look normal, the body part can look normal, and you can still have pain symptoms that impair movement, but not typically due to um, significant swelling.
0: Do you think that in those chronic states that we still have a, a chemical response taking place at the joint level, say say in a back joint that's chronically painful at this point
1: i say yes and the reason i say yes um and there's some debate on the magnitude of that but because people respond to anti-inflammatory injections including steroids in a chronic state it makes me uh, appreciate the the chemical reactions that are controlled in an inflammatory state that can still produce pain and improve in people who are in that chronic state.
0: The, the best strategy would be to avoid a chronic inflammatory state or avoid injury, of course, if we can, which we can't always.
1: Or in the case of autoimmune disorders where you have a inflammatory response to your body, if you will, that your body um, in general uh, turns on itself. You can control the response of the body to generalized inflammation by not just medications, but diet, exercise. So foods can affect inflammation. Supplements can affect inflammation.
0: A lot of research, a lot of talk on the role of food uh, in the battle against inflammation. Do you buy into the theory that foods can be inflammatory just certain foods can increase the inflammatory state of the body
1: 100% it's easy if we could if we could teach the population in America about the significant effects of your diet and exercise on overall health we could eliminate i believe many inflammatory conditions or pain conditions or certainly minimize their their pain effects
0: so let's let's touch on diet because it's probably the least talked about tool or treatment that we we often don't always do a good job of getting into it on the clinic side of things it's
1: still uncomfortable to talk to people about food which is funny we have no problem talking about smoking or no problem talking about drugs and alcohol but talking to people about diet and food still is an uncomfortable situation in families and in a healthcare provider's office and it shouldn't be it should be an easy discussion you know, eliminate fatty foods, eliminate complex carbohydrates, eliminate sugars. You can diminish inflammatory states and the effect of inflammation on the body, including the gut, by changing the consumption of those items.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily very difficult food choices either. I mean, there's a lot of foods that are really palatable and good that a lot of people would, would I think if you surveyed people and said hey what do you think about this food foods like you know some of the fruits and berries and the cherries
1: they're inconvenient you don't want to walk into a grocery store and pick up a uh, basket of blueberries even though you know they're great for you when you can go over to the deli counter and get your sandwich um, with meats and cheeses and condiments on a big hoagie roll with a bag of potato chips so the convenience of one versus the other is and the palatability of those foods makes a difference for people. It is a lifestyle change. So what foods should we eat and what should foods should we avoid? Well, fruits and vegetables. Certain oils are better. Nuts are, so, you know, apparently good as long as your gut can handle them.
0: What about fish?
1: Fish can be good. Not the fatty fishes.
0: Fried catfish?
1: Fried catfish. The fried part is not good for you.
0: It's the fatty fish that are typically considered more beneficial, correct? Your salmon, tuna. sardines. Sardines. How, what do we got to do to make sardines have a comeback?
1: I don't know. Shout out to the, the Fred Spilker in my life who loves sardines on a cracker.
0: I just like the can. I just was intrigued by the can of sardines. It
1: smelled so bad. Ugh.
0: The old school can where you had the key and you had to yeah. roll the lid back? They well, don't make them that way anymore. They don't? Nope.
1: Oh, it smells like cat food. <laughs> but. So you'd want to f- avoid the sugars, heavy sugars, fried foods, french fries, which was my lunch today. Um, I'm creating an inflammatory state so we can talk about it and I can control it later. Alcohol, some lactose products for patients can be have an impact on inflammation. So the idea, idea behind foods is that there are certain foods and may be individualized that can affect inflammation in a patient's body so how do you figure out which ones affect you well there's a really difficult process that you can go through and you eliminate almost everything from your diet and slowly reintroduce different food items including um, liquids and to determine which ones have an effect on you an
0: elimination
1: diet elimination diet and our nurse Nikki does a good job of coaching people through an elimination diet but it's, it's hard.
0: These things would require significant changes in your lifestyle.
1: Well, you may want to just know what causes problems. That way you're not eliminating, you know, 15 different food options in your diet. But for some people, you may find out that 15 different food options need to be eliminated if you want to control the state of your body. But let's add to that. So what if you didn't want to just challenge your body and the inflammatory state that you may be experiencing? What else could you do? Well, we already talked about ice. We talked about heat. But more importantly is the role of exercise. So even stimulating the muscles, um, there are different chemicals produced when the muscle is used that can help with inflammation. You also increase the blood flow around the injured site, eliminating waste products and inflammatory chemicals by moving a joint. But it has to be done in a respectfully timely fashion. You don't want to hurt the joint in the really acute time frame or hurt the body part in the acute time frame, but you also need to balance inactivity and rest with reintroduction of activity and exercise. And that's critical to promote recovery.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably another concept that is a little bit lost on folks is that movement is actually part of the pump of your body. Um, we don't, we pump blood out of our heart and that's controlled by veins that are arteries that contract and actually have muscular walls. But the coming back portion, where it comes back through the venous system, there is no... It's strictly gravity and compression.
1: One-way valves.
0: One-way valves. So
1: So you pump the blood by contracting the muscle. It goes up towards the heart or down towards the heart with that muscle contraction till it reaches... The one way valve that stops the flow back to where it came from. And that continued use of a in contraction helps bring the blood back to the heart through the venous system.
0: So the muscle of your leg contracting when you're walking squishes those veins, squirts the blood up, and valves close. And so by moving, and it, and it doesn't have to be your leg, it could be your arm, it could be any, I mean, it's the same across the body, but that movement helps to rid those waste products to pull that blood back up
1: correct so if you're sitting on an airplane you know that's not just sitting there for a long period of time but you'll have pressure changes in addition to inactivity causes pooling of blood into the legs so if you elevate the legs or you perform ankle pumps during an airplane flight you'll prevent that blood pooling and you know in the worst case scenario prevent blood clots that can um occur in that stagnant blood in the venous system.
0: So let's wrap up this quick medical minute on inflammation by touching on things to take away on inflammation. Acute inflammation is not necessarily bad. It is a normal process of the body and it's part of the healing process. Inflammation becomes a problem when it becomes chronic or unwelcome.
1: And systemic.
0: Systemic. There are things that we can do besides drugs to help rid inflammation. We touched on rest, ice, compression, and an elevation. And we, we didn't touch on elevation. We should touch on it real quick. The reason elevation is important is because of what we just talked about, the one-way valves. Elevation involves y- using gravity to pull some of that fluid and e- excess fluid out and get it recirculating.
1: So ideally, when you elevate, it needs to be above the level of the heart. If we're trying to get blood back through the venous system to the heart, the limb needs to be elevated above the heart so if you just prop your legs up on a short ottoman you're not probably get, you're not getting the um, elevation that you'd expect to improve swelling you can use um, changes in pressure so you, you can do a, um, a soak so if you get into a bathtub or as long as the temperatures aren't too hot or a pool um, and you may see some improvement in swelling you can use changes in your diet to affect swelling. And there are supplements that can affect swelling. Curcumin, turmeric, which is um, bromelain, green tea, capsaicin, all of those can affect swelling or inflammation.
0: Movement is good.
1: For 99.9%. N- percent of the things i treat i'm treating it and one of my recommendations the strongest recommendation i can make is stay active keep moving we may need to protect certain body parts with certain restrictions but i'm not here to create a population of disabled people my goal is to keep people functional and i promise the effects of activity far outweigh the effects of
0: rest Food is an important player.
1: By changing your diet, you can change the body's response to certain inflammatory conditions, including autoimmune disorders or other arthritic or degenerative processes.
0: Eliminating inflammatory foods from your diet and switching over to nothing but strawberries, blueberries, and cherries might not...
1: Leafy vegetables. It might not eliminate
0: all your pain. Oh, but gosh, no. can we bring the concert volume down from a 10 to a 5 to a 7?
1: You can. I think you're much more successful at doing that when you combine those food changes, dietary changes, with exercise. And change the name to moving so you don't feel like you have to go out and run a marathon. But you're just moving, keeping the muscles contracting, aerobically developing the... Blood flow in and out of muscles and improving strength and conditioning can improve inflammation and pain.
0: I think that covers it.
1: That is our medical minute. Let's quickly, let me just read some supplements that might be helpful for people if they're looking for something natural. The omega-3 fatty acids or fish oils, curcumin, 400 to 600 milligrams per day on average. SAM E, you have to be careful. That can be helpful for more systemic inflammatory conditions um, that's 200 to 800 milligrams per day. That, however, interacts with many medications, so be careful with that. Zinc, um, up to 40 milligrams per day. Um, green tea, 300 to 400 milligrams per day. Um, capsaicin, cat's claw, that's another one. You have to be careful with some interactions, but 1,000 milligrams with 8 ounces of water. And frankincense, which is Boswellia. Mm.
0: Yeah, frankincense. How about myrrh? myrrh. Does, does no, myrrh come on? not myrrh. No. And bromelain, Couching.
1: which is part of pineapple.
0: Once again, foods can be the medicine.
1: Foods can be the medicine. Well, we'd like to
0: thank everybody for joining us for the Medical Minute on Soar Sessions. Until next time,
1: this is Dr. Trish
0: and Jeff Todd.